It's your boy, Money Miles J, because when money talks, people listen. For this episode, I'm actually going to just speak from the heart. No script, no bullet points. This episode is going to be pretty much like my origin story. I'm going to be telling you guys about who I am, my upbringing, and how I got to where I am now. If you guys are interested, by all means, feel free to continue listening. I really appreciate it. But this episode isn't any specific episode about wrestling or anything like that. This episode is dealing with some personal things. This episode is going to dive into my backstory. So like I said, if you're not interested, by all means, I have plenty of other episodes up. I have more episodes on the way. I would not I would not judge you if you didn't want to listen to this. But for those who do, thank you. I guess the best way to do this is to start from the way beginning. When I was born, June 25th, 1989. I was born James Bailey Jr. And I was originally going to be named Miles J. There was a musician by the name of Miles J. He spelled it M he spelled Miles the traditional way and J J A Y E. I remember my mom told me about that because that was the name that she had for me. My dad changed it. And I thought I liked Miles J a lot better. It was different. And when I went to Google, like if I Google James Bailey, there's hundreds, if not thousands of James Baileys. Um, it came, it, that name, my real name became a problem down the line when I wanted to do some of the stuff that I, that I wanted to do. But growing up, um, my dad was in the military, so I really didn't see him that much. My mom was always working. She was doing so much stuff she was doing everything she could to make sure that she maintained the household that we got what we wanted for christmas and the fact that she would take money that she had set aside for herself and she wouldn't she wouldn't hesitate to use that money to make sure that we had a good christmas or we had a happy birthday the selflessness that my mother had always shown is something that stays is that's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. I can never pay her back for all the things that she's done for me and my sisters. Um, I'm one of three children on both my mom's side, on both with both my mom and my dad. 
when I was around four or five, my parents divorced and I didn't know what was going on. Uh, we, I just knew that we were staying with, that we were staying with my grandmother and my grandmother, she was like a rock to me. She was everything. She was my moral compass. Um, she, she was the one that helped tell me right from wrong in so many different situations up until she passed. My grandmother, my grandmother, Mary Coffey, she was just, she was just my everything. The things that she would teach me, she would always have gospel playing. She would, she was aware of everything around, you know, she was, she knew about hip hop and, and everything. She, she wasn't one of those, um, one of those constantly church going people. Yes, she would go to church. Yes, she would read the script, read scriptures. Yes, she would know the word. But she wouldn't try to bash in everybody's heads or anything like that. She did it because it's something that she needed. She didn't she didn't care about anybody I was anybody other than her family her family and friends. The rest of the world is the rest of the world. All she did was just pray for those who had issues. And she always, she never, one thing that I learned is that she never wished ill on any of her enemies or anybody that she thought was an enemy. All she asked was that she wanted them to have understanding, beg for forgiveness. Well, not beg for forgiveness, but that they, that the Lord would forgive them for what they do. I cannot thank her enough either. Like she was just such an inspiration to me. Um, her and my mom, both of them, they always encouraged me that I can do anything that I wanted, anything that I set my mind to. I didn't have my father around that much because of the divorce. Uh, my mom had primary custody over us. I didn't know, as a kid, I didn't know much about anything about that um what was funny was i remember when we were growing up my sister it was just me and my sister in elementary school my uncle um all three of us went to the same school at one point briefly because my uncle was going into middle school but when but they used to um, when they when they saw my mom they used to ask uh, they used to ask me and my sister if our dad was white <laughs> uh, or or if we were mixed or something like that. I always thought it was kind of, I don't know why, but looking back on it, I found it kind of funny. But it was always interesting because, like, whenever they saw my mom, my classmates, they saw my mom, they were just amazed by her because she had such an energy to her. And she was always loving and caring. I don't know what it, what they saw, but I knew what I saw. I saw my mom, somebody I looked up to. Still to this day, I look up to my mom. I may not tell her that, but I look up to her because of her work ethic. I'm singing her praises left and right, and I cannot sing them anymore, higher than 
ever because I can do this whole episode an hour long and talk about how great my mom was. And it still won't do it justice. She wasn't perfect though. Just like all parents. I would love to I would love to think she was perfect, but she wasn't perfect. She was human. It took me forever to realize that. <laughs> um knowing that knowing that my parents were going through a divorce, there was so many things that helped me get through that. Um, one of the things was the movie Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, and I'm not sure if for those I'm pretty sure everybody's seen it or is aware of Mrs. Doubtfire. But in that movie, um, Robin Williams plays a voice actor who is who is um just going through a divorce himself, but he doesn't want to leave his children. So he was desperate to see them, desperate to be near them, so much so that he that he dressed up as a woman to be their nanny, just so he can be near them. And I just thought the dedication that that man had for his children to do that. That was that was something. And from that point on, Robin Williams was was like was like an icon to me. Like he stayed he stayed in my mind because he was also in Aladdin. He was also in so many other movies. Like he was in my childhood. But it was Mrs. Doubtfire that really that really got him to cling in my mind because it related to something that was going on with me. The way that that episode, not episode, but the way that the movie ended when there was a letter, when he, Mrs. Doubtfire had a, ended up eventually getting her own TV show and was reading a letter about a kid who's going through, whose um, parents were going through a divorce. It just, it just spoke to me so much as a kid and it was just it was just the perfect thing for me to hear at the time Mrs. Doubtfire was probably my absolute favorite movie of all time for both me and my sister even my little sister (laughs) But that wasn't the only that wasn't that wasn't the only saving grace for me, because I didn't have I didn't really have like a real like a father figure that was there all the time. I had my uncles, one of my uncles, and my uncles were close to my age, so it wasn't like they were like they were adults and they could give me advice. One of my uncles was. And my grandfather, and my grandfather was there. I love, love my grandfather. Like we, my grandfather and I just had such a connection with each other, and we, we used to get along on so many levels. We used to watch cartoons together, and like he, my grandfather, I believe, was how my love for comic books started because he used to collect classic comic books, comic strips. Um, he used to have this huge collection of Dick Tracy and it was, it was his, it was him who started the whole comic book love that 
all of our family members shared, well, most of our family members shared for myself, my sisters, my mom. And it was, it was just that connection that we had. And he used to always try, he used to always gift me with something. He got me, he got me a bike. He used to, um, he used to take me to the store all the time. We used to do all kinds of stuff, going adventures. Uh, when he took and when he took ill, like he used to, he used to look out for me all the time. Um, don't get me wrong, he did, he did punish me when I need, when I needed it, just like my mom would. But when he took ill. I thought back on all those times that he that he took care of me, that he looked out for me, that he did something for me. So every time that he needed to go to the doctor, I didn't. It didn't matter what I was doing. It didn't matter where I was. I would drop everything, and I would go with him every single time. My grandmother's, I know, and same thing with my grandmother. When my grandmother um, couldn't get around as much as she used to, and she would have me and my sister go to the store and help her out, I'd drop everything, and I would help, and I would go. There was a point, there's a point in time where I was actually working my very first job in McDonald's, and I was doing the overnight shift. I had just got off of work. It was like seven, I think it was like six or seven in the morning. I get home, I lay down, and maybe 30 minutes later, I get a call, and my grandmother wanted to know if um, I was able to go to the store with her. And, I, and as tired as I was, I hopped up and said yes. And then we were saying, uh, they're saying that my mom had said that they just got off from work. They might be a little bit tired. I said, no, I can still do this. I didn't I didn't care. I love my grandparents so much. They meant everything to me. My grandmother instilled so many lessons into me. How to cope with how to cope with ignorance. Um how to how to forgive was one of the things that I learned from her. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to learn, to learn forgiveness, to forgive others. But she did such a great job with it. Growing up, I didn't have to, I, like I said, I didn't have um, a real, true, like, father figure type of person around. So I found it wherever I could. Uh, one of the places I found it was in pro wrestling. My uncle used to, every Friday, I believe it was, like, every Friday or every so often, we would go to Farm Fresh and... A lot of people don't even know what Farm Fresh is now. 
they're out they're no longer in business for the most part there might be a few here and there but they're almost non-existent but farm fresh and for those who don't know back in the 90s used to be able to rent movies and video games from farm fresh and we used to go there and we would rent a movie and two video games uh, my uncle, he would want to get, like, the classic wrestling um, videotapes, or he would get them from friends. Like, he would have, like, he would have, like, stuff from world-class championship wrestling. He would have AWA stuff, because I remember, I remember Bobby Heenan and a lot of stuff. And he would get championship wrestling from Florida. And... There was a man by the name of Dusty Rhodes who talked, the way that he talked reminded me so much of my grandmother. And like I, I saw Dusty, I saw Dusty Rhodes, I saw my grandmother in Dusty Rhodes because of how he talked, the things that he was saying. And it wasn't even just like one promo or, or two promos here and there. It was the way it was the it was almost everything. Like he would speak in such a cadence and such a way that my grandmother would talk in a very similar manner and have similar quotes and stuff. Like I associated Dusty Rhodes with her, especially when she passed. Like I knew like I re I renewed my love for Dusty Rhodes, his promos, his style, his his influence, his everything, and it meant a lot to me. That when I when I actually tried to go out for WWE and to hear him to hear him say that it's that because it didn't make it, it's not the end. It doesn't mean that it's not for me. It just means that it's not meant for me right now. It's it's something that you can never replicate. You can never get again. But I looked Dusty Rhodes. And the thing was, I, I looked at... I looked at Hulk Hogan at one point, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh yeah, dig it. Macho Man was my sister's. Me and my sister, when we used to watch wrestling, our favorites used to always compete with each other. Like I chose Hulk Hogan over Macho Man. She, cho- I chose Hogan. She chose Macho Man. Um, I chose Shawn Michaels. She chose Bret Hart. I chose The Rock. She chose Austin. It was like, it was always like that with us. And Shawn Michaels was the one that stood out the most to me because he was exactly what I wanted. He was, he could talk in the microphone so well. He talked with so much confidence. You knew exactly who he was. He knew who he was. 
And he did it in such a way that you believed into it. Even if even though he what he said was unrealistic, you believed everything that he said. So ever since ever since I was introduced to Shawn Michaels, I wanted to be like him. The heartbreak kid, the main event, the icon, the showstopper, the headliner, Mr. WrestleMania. So many nicknames. But he didn't go by Mr. WrestleMania until like later on. Um, that's where I that's where I saw my my role models in a sense. Not knowing how they were off camera. But it just gave me it just gave me that sense of more of um what I want to be who I want to be. There was that and then of course there was Power Rangers. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out in 1993. It was about five teenagers, five teenagers with attitude who were given special abilities to help save the world from the evil Rita Repulsa. <laughs> yeah, it's cheesy, it's corny, they're kind of one-dimensional, but it was a lot of fun. And it was it was the fact that they did martial arts, the fact that they did, they didn't, they were basically like those, those goody goods that you see that are, that are always righteous and do the right thing and always donating and doing charity work and stuff like that. Just unbelievable stuff and have little to no character flaws, but they did have character flaws, but that was kind of how I'm, that was kind of how I modeled my whole idea of doing the right thing. You know, just because because you have the power doesn't mean that you should have power over others. You have the power. You use that power for the betterment of others. Not just for selfish needs. Which leads me into Spider-Man. Another thing from my childhood, because of the whole... The whole with great power, there must also come great responsibility. It was the comic book that I used to read, as well as the the '90s animated Spider-Man, which had the bet, which had one of the best theme songs, along with X-Men. And it's just in these in these small things, comic books, cartoons, and everything. I had a sense of who I was. I was taking pieces of each and I was trying to web them together like Spider-Man. I was trying to web them together into what I wanted to be as a person. And I knew in my heart that I wanted to be somebody that that helps out others. I wanted to be somebody that did bring a smile to people's faces. Have I done that in my life? I don't know. I really can't I really can't say that I've been the absolute best person. I just know that I try to be the best person that I can be. 
everybody, nobody sees themselves as the villain in their own story. Shoot, if I had a dime for every time I heard that quote. <laughs> but. And I know I'm kind of just rambling on, but this is my story. This is how I'm doing it. Um, I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. That was one of the things that used to get asked all the time. You know, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a basketball player. Well, James, what do you want to be? I don't know. Everybody wanted to be a basketball player. But when I played basketball, I sucked. I didn't care how many times I tried. I sucked. I was the only black kid that couldn't play, that couldn't play basketball in elementary school. It was so, it was, I was so terrible that they would have me as the referee. <laughs> It'd be so funny. But I was good at, I was good at soccer. I was good at, I was good at football. I can run, I can run the ball. Um, I was great. I was amazing. I was legendary in kickball. But none of them seemed to fit me. As good as I was in some of these other sports, and as much as I sucked at basketball, nothing ever really truly fit like, like, hey, this is this is me. This is what I want to do. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a judge. I didn't want to be a police officer, a fireman. I didn't want to be any of that. I wanted to do something that I wanted to do something that did help, but I wanted to do something that I enjoyed. Like I look on TV and I see somebody doing doing this or that. And it looks like they're doing something that's for the betterment of others. But I didn't know what it was until one day it just hit me. I watch it all the time. And like I said, I got my pseudo father figures from this, which is wrestling. So normally people who usually tend to look after like their parental figures, this was closest thing I had to a father figure was pro wrestling. So wrestling was what I wanted to do. How to get there was a different question. Before I get into into that, there was one other thing in my childhood that helped shape me. And of course, that was video games. I used to be all over the place. I don't know if if I... Back then, I don't think that they did any type of tests for like ADHD and... ADD or anything like that, but like I was all over the place. I wasn't accident prone, but I was just everywhere. There was a point in my there was a point in my childhood where I actually had a TV fall on me twice. I used to always try to 
lift things heavier than me. I wanted to prove myself, wanted to be strong. I wanted to be this archetype. But what will settle me down and keep me grounded, video games. One game in particular was Sonic the Hedgehog. That little blue, that little blue hedgehog caught my attention. I would sit down and I would play for hours. And the funny thing was, like, I would see my uncle, who was older than me, who was in middle, I believe was in middle school at the time. Um, he would, him and my cousins who were around the same age, they would all play video games on the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo. But it was mainly Sega Genesis because we, because um, all, all of us had a Sega Genesis and the controller. And they would play, my uncle and my cousin would play a game and then they would give me the controller and they would say that I'm playing along with them because I kept on complaining that I wanted to play. So they'd give me the controller, but they would have it unplugged and say that I'm playing along with them. <laughs> uh, that was, it was too funny but I wised up I wasn't stupid but at the time I was kind of I was kind of terrible so what I used to do was when I was in kindergarten I used to come home I used to put in Sonic the Hedgehog and I would play for hours on end and I would learn every single portion of the game, the ins and outs. I discovered secret level, secret areas in the game and different ways of going about different areas in the game that nobody else knew about. And I would do that for almost every other game that we had. I would play each game for hours and try to learn it, master it. And there was a there was one point in time where I was playing video games for so long that my hands cramped up into the shape of the controller. After my mom took the controller out of my hand, my hands were stuck like that. <laughs> but Sonic the Hedgehog was a milestone for me. It was it was one of those gems in my memory. That it's right, it's right alongside wrestling and Mrs. Doubtfire and Power Rangers. Stayed with me to this day. That's why, like, I get so excited when I see um, the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog Two. Now that Sonic the Hedgehog Two is coming out, and it's gonna have tails and knuckles in it, I am just overly excited. And the way that they got it, it's just phenomenal. I'll give my review on that one day. But um, another fun fact is that 20 years ago, the, the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 video game for Sega Genesis had released. I'll give a whole episode and, and I'll, give, I'll give some time to that and go into my excitement about all the little fun facts about that. Another time. All this stuff was just leading up into 
who I wanted to become. It was a mix of my love for wrestling, for video games, for Power Rangers. It wasn't until middle school where I knew for sure, well, I knew for sure that I wanted to get into wrestling. By the time I got into high school, I didn't get I didn't get to do it during my freshman year, but I did during my my sophomore year. I got into I got into wrestling and I was just I was so dedicated. I would be there every single practice. There'll be points in time where it's just me and the coach practicing. I was so dedicated. I wanted it so badly. It was it was so much it was fun for me. As much torture as it was. Um, because we trained harder than any other any other sport. The way that we would do the laps and we would do the bleachers as a warm-up, then come in, we would get down and circle the mat. We would um get into our wrestling stance and walk walk around the ring. I think it was about maybe 20 or 50 times I lost track. And then we would start practice because all that was just a warm up. Um, the amount of dedication that I put into it, the love, because I didn't, because I was just focused on just getting to my goal to get into pro wrestling, getting, and this was the start. It was around that time that my, um, my friend was doing pro wrestling or was going to a pro wrestling school. And he was, um, and he would take me after practice. He would take me after practice and we would go there. We would learn and we would study. And it was around that time that my um, grandmother had passed. I still even remember the day. I remember I was going to, it was supposed to be, um, I think it was like spirit, it was spirit week. We were, oh, it was crisscross day where we either dressed up with our clothes backwards or boys dressed up like girls and girls dressed up like boys. So I had, so I had missed the bus. My mom had already went to work and I was and I was actually on my way. I was actually going to walk to my grandmother's house because it was it was a great distance, but I made it halfway since I'm since I missed the school bus. I was gonna walk to my grandmother's house. I made it halfway, but I got something I just got tired. I didn't wanna I didn't wanna bug her. And she probably would fuss me out for not being in school. So I just walked back. It was later on that I found out that she had passed. And it was, I didn't know how to take it. I I was in such a state of shock 
that I I was barely able to move. I was barely able to stand. I didn't even want to eat or drink. I felt like I was about to throw up. It was like, it was like, I really felt a part of me leave. And I was in such denial. I didn't want to believe it. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. But it was... It was just one thing that she used to do, like whenever we leave, whenever we leave, we always, um, we always say, we always say see ya. It was important that we always say see ya because you never want to say goodbye because like goodbye is almost like forever. And she's, and the last time I saw her, she actually said bye. And she said, and like, It was just, I'm, it was so hard to, to adjust to that, to, to come to the realization and accept it. When you lose a loved one, you sometimes go in such a denial. Like it didn't happen. It's not happening. It's just a bad dream. But, and then you go into a state of like, well, if I had, maybe if I had went there instead of turning back, maybe she would have been okay. <laughs> or maybe I could have did something. Maybe I could have stayed with them, stayed with my grandparents to make sure that they were all right. Like you go into so many, you go into so many different emotions and, and things run through your head like crazy like did you was it something that you missed something that you did wrong was was there something i did wrong i don't know but i was so i just i just couldn't i just couldn't bear with doing anything i couldn't do anything i barely want i didn't want to go to school i didn't want to get out of bed but i forced myself to do it because i knew that's what she wanted me to do i went to, i went to school i tried to i tried to toughen it toughen out and just just deal with it but it it got to me so many times and I just I was just a wreck. Like I said, it felt like a part of me just just died. Like a huge part of me just died. And I didn't want to continue on. I still feel it to this day. I usually don't tell anybody this, but like It's still weighs heavy on me. Like I've, I had to deal with deaths of people that were close to me. 
with my grandmother. And then almost a year after that, my grandfather had passed. I had did everything that I could to help take care of him. I would stay, my, um, my grandmother passed. I ended up, um, quitting wrestling. I ended up quitting on my dream. I quit on my dream because I wanted, because I wanted to take that time and make sure that I get myself together and I, and I wanted to make sure my grandfather was all right. I didn't want to go through that again. So I took, so the time that I took, I would, I would make sure that my grandfather was okay. During the summertime, I stayed with my grandfather. I didn't, I didn't bother going out with friends or anything like that. No, I stayed there. I listened to music and did things there and just stayed there throughout most of the time. I cooked, I helped cook for him. I helped clean up the house. I helped go to the store and get stuff. And, and there was at one point where I was, I was tired one night after I, after I had cooked. I was tired one. I was tired one night. Uh, we also had a cousin who stayed there as well, who could do some, who could do stuff that I can do, like drive. <laughs> um, he helped take care. He helped. He did stuff when I wasn't there. When I was, uh, when I was in school, like when school was back or in, or things like that. Um, my cousin Mike. And God bless him. He was, he was, that man, that man is blessed through and through. He helped out and he helped cheer me up. He helped pull me through while I was there. There was one night when I was, where I was cooking, and I would always clean up afterwards. But I always kept the house clean. There was one night where I just was too tired to finish cleaning up, so I just fell rather than going to sleep in my in um in the room upstairs, I fell asleep on the couch. One of my uncles comes by the next day, and he sees the ho- sees the house a mess, and he fusses me out. And I tried to explain to him, like, why, like, it was just one time I just got tired. And he was, and he just didn't take that. Um, it came, came an issue. And I went back home with my mom and my sisters because of that. It was like maybe a week or two later when my grandfather had passed. And it went back. And the thing was, like, I was getting back. I was getting back into sports. I this time went into football. And I was also doing theater. 
I was doing vocal music. I was doing everything. I was keeping myself occupied and busy, keep my mind off of things. But I still had my grandfather in my mind. When he had passed, I just didn't know what to do anymore. I I wanted to just try to keep going. I kept, I tried my best to keep going with um football and it was to the point where I was I tried to overwork myself just to instead of confronting the pain I just threw everything I just went through everything. I would just run through everything. I took theater. I took vocal music. I would do extra work. I would I would do just about everything just to just to not just to not feel it anymore. Just to just escape. I mean, it got to a point where my theater was interfering with my football practice. My theater teacher ended up getting me to end up convincing me to um to um, stop football for a while. But I never went and I never went back. I stuck with theater and that was a that became a passion of mine. I took up theater and acting because I love attention, obviously. Um, I took a vocal music because I love, I just love music. If I wasn't going to be able to, if I wanted to bring joy to people's lives, to help others in a way, I thought music was one of those ways. I thought acting was another one of those ways. And I enjoy, I love them both. Still to this day, I love acting. I love theater, love music. I still sing. I even did a sketch comedy show uh, with some amazing people. And doing that and doing that show, that's another story. Um, I, I'm going to go into that where I was working at a movie theater around 2007 and I was working there for about maybe 10 months and there was an issue with with my register coming up short around around that time and there was never a point when anybody told me that my register was short they never told me because I would get a ride I didn't have a car I was eighteen. I was eighteen. I didn't have a car. Didn't have a license. I would either walk home from Military Circle, which for anybody that's in Virginia or Virginia Beach or Norfolk, um, I walk from Military Circle Mall all the way to um, all the way down to Newtown Road. Um, that's about it's about maybe a good um half an hour walk 
I would do that. I would walk either to to and from there to go to work. Or when I would get off, one of the managers would offer me a ride home. And if my register was short, I'm pretty sure the managers would have told me before we left. But they did everything to pin this on me that I was trying to cheat the system and I was trying to um, get free snacks and stuff like that and give discounts to my friends, which wasn't true. I even told them beforehand about the issue and they had me in this office and they were using all types of interrogation tactics. They were trying to scare me and it worked at the time because I was 18. I was naive. I'd never been in that situation and they made me sign my own release that I admitted to doing that stuff. They even threatened to have me taken out in handcuffs in front of everybody. They specifically said that they were going to take me out in handcuffs in front of everybody. And it was heartbreaking. I. It was another point where I went into like this almost depression state. I don't want to say the. I don't say I was. I was going through depression, but it was. It just hit me hard. Then I kept, and I couldn't get another job. I was afraid to, because I didn't want the same thing to happen again. But I kept on seeing this ad for the sketch comedy show called Midnight Madness. And it just bugged me because it kept popping up left and right on TV. Every single time I turn around and then one day I just said, you know what, if I see if I see that thing one more time, I'll just go ahead and audition for it. And I saw it one more time. As soon as, soon as I said it, I saw it as a sign. Uh, I set up an audition. I go down to the studio for CW and I completely forget the monologue that I was going to create that I had. So then I go in and I ad lib about a good about a good five minute monologue. And I felt like I knocked it out of the park, but I was so nervous. But I couldn't tell. It wasn't until later it wasn't until like weeks later. The fact is that I actually got up out of the house and did something. I got noticed that I did make it as a featured player, not as a main cast. They still wanted me to come to audition to their um, rehearsals and things like that. They wanted me to be a part of it. Eventually, they did bump me up to the main cast. And it was so much fun being around all these different personalities and learning from them, not only, not only about acting, but comedy and life in general. And it was in that where I felt like I was getting my life back together. I felt like the part of me that was missing is starting to come back. And I can't thank them enough for that. I really appreciate everything they've done. Um, the director, Ollie Powell, who took a chance on this, on this young kid who has never done TV before professionally to, to Mr. Some one guy, this one guy, Tony, 
He was phenomenal. He even wrote a sketch just based off of my personality. <laughs> and I wish we had filmed it. <laughs> it was so crazy. But just based off of my personality, he wrote a sketch. And I just thought it was so awesome. Just being around these guys, they were so they were so talented, each and every one of them. And I just thought it was a blessing to be in their presence and to work with them. There was so many, there's so many people that I can't even remember their names um, that came through, but um, I think, I think Miss Danielle, she was, she was hilarious. And I saw her as like a, like another big sister. And Tony, I saw as a big brother. Like these guys just all had so many different traits to them. Uh, one guy, Quincy Carr, who is a comedian, who is a, who is a hit. He is everywhere. Now he was a huge standout and I'm, and he was the one that helped get me mine. He was kind of one that kind of helped me get a little bit of a, a little bit of a swagger. Like I learned something from each one of them. And I can never, I, can, I feel like I can never repay these guys. Like, I don't even think they even knew that I was going through something at the time. But it doesn't even matter. Just them being them and looking out for me meant so much that I don't even know how I would be if I would be... I don't know where my mind would be yet if it wasn't for that. So if you guys are listening, I just want to say thank you so much for all the time that we had together, all the things that we've done. You guys are phenomenal. And I appreciate you guys so, so much. So right now I'm going to just put a pin in this episode And next time I'll go into a little bit more detail on how I got, how I started calling myself Miles J, got the nickname Money, and everything else in between. At this this time, I just want to say thank you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen to my ramblings and understandings, and hopefully... You get something out of this as well. I normally end with my usual quote, my catchphrase from when I was wrestling, that when money talks, people listen. But I do want to end with I do want to end with this. That don't let anybody tell you what you're worth, what your value is. You know what you're worth. You know what's best for you. You know what is best for you and what you're worth. I want you to go out there and get what you're worth. 
Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. I want you guys to be well, stay safe, take care of yourselves and each other. I'll talk to you later.